This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Stephen, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, Jason and I are always thrilled to have somebody of your caliber on the show. Uh, I can already tell, you know, you keep it light and sweet, but when it's time to do business, it's time to do business. And that's, those are the kinds of people we love, especially for the show, because of what we're trying to accomplish with it. So that being said, tradition around here is to ask the first opening question. Yeah. Do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs, working professionals, creatives? No, I'm a, I was a poor kid, uh, kind of grew up in the street type of thing. Uh you know, alcoholic father, mother worked a couple of different jobs, but uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't even know how I became an entrepreneur, but I came very, very young age. I became an entrepreneur because I didn't have the things that, that the other kids in school had. I didn't have a bike. So I went to the, you know, I went to the, the dump and got all the parts and I built a bike. Uh, and fortunately for me, I was always one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete in the school. So I never got ridiculed for that stuff because I was the, you know, the captain of the hockey team or football team or whatever it may be. And so people wanted that and I would start making bikes and selling them at a ridiculous price, uh, because <laughs> they wanted one, right? Of these ugly bikes that I built. <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of fell into that, uh, that routine and just loved the, the whole idea of um, you know being creative and coming up with ideas. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how people with the hardest lives have uh, have had to be the most creative from like early on. Whenever I hear stories like that, and I just think knowing what I know about where they are now and yeah. then hearing that as an origin, it's almost inevitable that someone facing those kinds of obstacles early on has to strive for more when they're older. So at, at what point, you know, it's, a, you're like, you know, selling bikes way more creative than selling candy at school. And yeah. yet it's the same spirit of things. At what point did you really start to take it serious? Cause you have this whole uh, part of your life that you're an athlete, like yeah. professionally, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Five years. I uh, played professional hockey. I, for me, it was, you know, I lived in an area of Toronto. I was born and raised in, in the downtown core of Toronto. I lived in an area that was really kind of, there was like a line. I don't say it because it wasn't really like, you know, the all the crappy over there and all the good here. But there was kind of a line where all, you know, these were the people with the money down on this side. And these were the people who not necessarily were poor like we were because my dad, you know, he, my dad worked hard. He had a good job. But he was an alcoholic, and so you know most of it just went into uh, into the bottle. Um, and, and as I said, my mom had two jobs, and and she enjoyed those. But that kind of left us to do whatever we wanted to do. But I I ended up because of my athletic ability for, and I was gifted for whatever reason. Um, I ended up hanging around with all those guys with money. So I was going to these big homes that their bathrooms were bigger than our home, and it was like wow. I mean, 
like you know and i was talking to their parents about different things and uh and i thought wow this is going to be me one day I, i'm you know this is what i'm going to be and then i was fortunate enough to actually sign a professional hockey contract at 19 which then put me on the road to you know to be able to do what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it and and kind of be my own boss which has kind of led me into you know entrepreneurism there's this confidence that that was just a part of who you were regardless of what your life looked like and you said it yourself wow this is going to be me someday oh for sure which mm-hmm. isn't everyone's response to those kinds of circumstances no right? guys i grew up with uh well i can tell you right now there's several guys i grew up with who aren't with us anymore uh several others are in jail uh so yeah it's uh you know we we kind of I think in life in general, we kind of adjust to our circumstances and we decide what what we want out of those. I was saying it earlier to Jason that, you know, it's really not what happens to us in life, but how we react to it. Right. And that's really what it's all about, because we're all going to get we're all going to get slammed against the door and all that other stuff. But what are you going to do about it? And, you know, many people just want to focus on that. It's like solving problems, right? You're never going to solve a problem if you focused on the problem. <laughs> what the hell? It's never going to go away. But all of a sudden, if you shift your mind to focus on the solutions, man, and if that's all you're doing, you're going to solve every single problem that comes your way. But a lot of people have difficulty doing that. Man, I mean, that could have been the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, see you later. <laughs> uh, now, before before we go any further, I want to let Jason chime in and share some of his yeah. reflections so far on yeah. what you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always find it like super interesting that, uh, you know, like I didn't come from a really wealthy family or anything either. I mean, I came, yeah. I was a farm kid, so it's like, You know, I love referencing this story because a lot of people can really relate to it. And when I was nine, um, one of the things my, my father used to have me do was every morning at like five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning before we go to school, he would have dumped a whole, about a ton of grain by the, by the sheep feeders. And made me hand shovel out in there, right? When you're nine, you don't get it, right? Because you're <laughs> you're sitting there with a scoop shovel, shoveling this in there, looking over there, and there's a tractor with a scoop on it, right? And you're like, done, right? Yeah. Um, and it made no sense, right? But obviously, later in life, it was like, ah, yeah, I got it now. I understand yeah. it, right? Um, it was about the hard work and... Mm-hmm the sacrifice of it all to instill those things in you. Right. That, Mm -hmm. that pretty much shape who we end up being in life for the most part. Right. I think struggle is the ultimate equalizer, right? Um, It is the game changer of most people's lives. When you have to go through something in your life, that's hard. It it is an equalizer. And that's why I joined the military because the military is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're Hispanic, if you're whatever, right. It doesn't make any difference. Everybody gets treated the same yeah. and, and it's the great equalizer, right? Mm-hmm. So we go through these points in life where sometimes, you know, goes back to many conversations that we've had where it seems like uh, 
when you start looking in the backgrounds of people, right, that we've had on the show, there's always this like resonating story of military. They were an athlete of some sort. They came mm-hmm. from not rich family backgrounds, so on and so forth. So it's interesting that that is a kind of solidifying fact almost behind many, many entrepreneurial experiences. It's not mm-hmm. everybody, of course, yeah, but yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but it, it, it seems to be a theme. And so yeah. there's like a theme of lesson to be learned from mm-hmm. all these conversations that we hit record on. Right. And there, there's something special to take away from that. And, yeah. and, and that's relatable back to your story too, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic yeah. thing. And thanks for mm-hmm. sharing, being open to share that part of it. No, my pleasure. Yeah, there's. it starts to make a little more sense now when we look at how it is you went from your athletic career into business and the type of business that you're currently on a mission to help launch, which is like a social impact type mm. of business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from, yeah. from, from what I have here in my notes, uh, you're, you're looking to bring purpose and profit together to solve serious issues. Mm-hmm. Right. So can you tell me where, where did this vision really start to take shape for you? Was it during your years as an athlete where you started thinking that's my next move? No, I, you know what? I've always, uh, you know, I always kind of bought into the whole there's haves and have nots and that's just the way life is. Then as I, as I got out of athletics and into business, I took a job. Actually, I got a job when I, after I got hurt into the advertising world. Um, and I just loved that. And after, you know, four years of getting a real good education with this particular job, I started up my own, built up my own company and then, uh, sold that, um, did very well with that. But then I started to realize that, like, start to question almost everything. No, you, you know, this is the way it is. You know, it's like an 11 year old kid, right? Well, why? You know, or maybe an eight-year-old kid. Why? Why? Why is that? Why? And so I started asking these questions. And why is that? Why are there people? Why are there fifty million people who go hungry every day in Canada, the United States? Why? What's the reason behind that? And as I started asking these questions, I wasn't getting answers. Like I couldn't, and I was deep diving. I'm partnering with Google. They're giving me information. I'm asking, getting these things. They're giving me stuff and everything. I mean, there was there was no answers. So. After I kind of, because I knew the chapters, I believe that our life is like a book, right? It's all comprised of these different chapters, right? So the next chapter for me after I sold um, was I'm going to make a difference in the world. Now, the funny thing about that is I've had some great mentors, some like, you know, unbelievable mentors, world-class mentors like Stephen Covey, Brian Tracy, um, and these guys always ask me, <laughs> these guys always ask the same question and it drives me crazy, but what do you want in your tombstone? Right. I mean, what a dumb question. I always told them, would you stop asking me that damn question? Right. You want me to fast forward to when I'm dead? I mean, like, who cares? I'm dead. Right. <laughs> Steven said, come on, come on. So I, I instinctively say that he made a difference in the world. I mean, who doesn't want that on a tombstone? Right. He made a difference in the world. Oh Christ, this guy's fantastic. Uh, or this person. And you're thinking about the great people like Oprah, like some of these people. I mean, she could have that on her tombstone. And wow, that's true. And everybody knows it. So then I would always get, well, have you? And, you know, I'd push back and say, of course I have. I've been I've been millions of cherries. I've been on boards. I've done really, really well. But inside, there was always something that said, really? 
Like, are you sure? I mean, you can do more than that. So now when it came time to actually do that, it was like, so what are you going to do? What can you do to really make a difference? And, um, and that's when I started to do the deep dive into this whole purpose and profit. And I have so much research on this space over the last six years that it's, you know, it's frightening, honestly, how much I know. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, is there anything you don't know? And I said, well, about this particular space, probably not. I've been freaking studying it like nonstop for the last six years. So we just felt that, you know, with the amount of money we give, which, by the way, nobody, whenever I ask them that, when I say, how much money do we give in, in Canada, the United States to charities and nonprofits every year? There isn't a person that gets within $100 billion of the right answer. Not within $100 billion. So you can imagine how much we give. And so on, and, and causes aren't going down. So it, it basically, I said to myself as a strategist that the model is not working and we're never going to solve the problems unless we change the way we're doing things. Einstein had a great quote saying, we're never going to solve today's problems by using the thinking that actually caused the problems yesterday. So we need to, we need new thinking. So that's what I decided to do. And, and I just decided that it needed to be a new model. And I did a deep dive into what was required. And I came up with three real things. We had to have transparency, had to have sustainability, and we had to have collaboration. Because we all know, all your listeners know that we're stronger together. I mean, how can you not be stronger together? Yet here's an entire industry that doesn't work together. So that's what I set out to do. And that's what we're doing right now. Man, it sounds like you're still the captain of a team on the ice, right? Trying well, I was like, I'm a captain together. of a few of them, but yeah, we're we're now uh, it's a lot bigger than you know. The team is now broadened out, and we're we're involving some great people. And and the great thing is, I can tell you that, I, and I'm re- it's really encouraging. Is there's a lot of great people out there wanting you know to make a difference and wanting to do good. Unfortunately, you know, they've in the past, they've, you know, like I did, you got on a board of a charity, you did this, you did these things, you give your money to a charity. But now things are starting to change because people are looking at that and saying, why are things getting worse? Yeah. Last year, we gave 484 billion US dollars to charities and nonprofits just in Canada, United States. That's half a trillion dollars. Why aren't a bunch of these causes going down? They're not. In fact, in most cases, they're going up. So at what point do you have to say, it won't matter how much we give anymore. We just need new models if we're going to actually change things. And so then that's what we're setting up to do. Yeah. Now, I'm glad someone's having this conversation because uh, there, for a while, there's there's been a lot of, in fact, most young people in particular are pretty cynical about oh. about the idea of raising funds for this or raising it because it, it, at this point it feels almost like the same way uh, a uh, politician that shows up and you know says all the things they're going to do they get all the votes they get all the campaign funds and then they get voted in and realize there's all these structures in place that even if they wanted to they could never actually they, exactly that's and the, so i that's love the model. What you're saying yep. yeah there are the models are designed for a point of failure at some point pretty much they are and uh and just to be clear so you're on your reader your listeners understand i'm not suggesting that you know charities are embezzling funds or anything like that their intentions are absolutely pristine 
They really want to make a difference, but it doesn't matter. It's like building a house. If you don't have the right tools, your intentions to build a house, you're not going to build that house. You're not going to be able to. You don't have any hammers or anything. So I, I just think that's the situation we're in right now. It's like any nonprofit, even if everyone wanted to work for free, they still need cash flow to operate, right? And so again, where where does the model really come in to support, like you said, sustainability, right? The transparency, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, uh, for me, I just, I like the conversation that you're pushing forward because it needs to be had, especially when there's things like the United Nations and the sustainable development goals and what they're doing and how many trillions or billions of dollars have gone in that direction and not a thing has changed you're right it's only getting worse and people start asking the question uh, no okay. question yeah yep. yeah 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 so mm-hmm. no I, I love that you're doing that so uh for me i think what makes the most sense is if you could have mm-hmm. anyone who's listening right now understand the difference between a sustainable model versus one that maybe it's more traditional, <laughs> which would by default make it not sustainable. What would you what would you have them understand about being able to shape business in a way where it has that double bottom line, triple bottom line even? Yeah, I, I would I would make people understand that that we there are ways in which we can um you know solve problems, but the models have to be built so that they will actually solve the problem. You have to you know, our models are built specifically where we walk through each each touch point. And in our focus groups, we actually did this. We said, well, this is what you're doing. You're buying the food, right? And this is how much the food costs. And they were eating the food. And we're like, now we're a for-profit social enterprise. You think we're getting rich. And every single person from the young to the old said the same thing. We don't even know how you're manufacturing it for this price. I mean, non-GM organic food. I mean, uh, no, this is fantastic. And by the way, how are you doing it? We told them we have great manufacturers who are partnered with us and they're giving us these, 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 you know, volume discounts, which we're just passing on. So they were ecstatic about that. And then the food charities that we partner with right now, they distribute the food. So yeah. I was just saying the transparency side of things is that, you know, you buy the food, we send that food to the, to the charity in your name. And then, Jason, if Jason's doing it, he gets an email from that charity saying, we received the food. Now we're putting the hands of the kids or the people who need it. So in my model, 100% of what you're giving the charity is going directly back to the people who need it. And everyone was saying, we don't even know how you're making it for that price. So transparency, everybody was happy about. We got two thumbs up from every demographic. They were like, yes, this is the future of giving. So that was the one thing that we wanted to do, build a model where transparency was key, because in the young generation today, if you don't get it, they're just demanding it. If you don't have it, they just won't give, period. Don't even try. So that was really. But sustainability. Sustainability is easy. Everyone talks about sustainability. I've been doing sustainability for years. How do you create real sustainability? It's really simple. Just make sure everybody wins more than they put in, and then why would they stop? Why is it so complicated? I don't know why people are already, oh, sustainability is such a big thing. I just said this to a group in in Europe I was talking to, and I'm like, yeah, you guys are talking about sustainability. I don't understand the problem. In my model, every touch point wins more than they put in, so I can guarantee sustainability. Simple, right? And they're like, wow, yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah, 
What a so novel Jason, idea. Yeah. Everyone, know, just wins. Make sure. Everyone wins more than they put in. I did that for years. I did it with my suppliers. I actually turned down some of my suppliers. They said, we'll give you this price. And I'm like, what? How do you give me that price? It's like 20% lower than anybody else. Why? Well, you know, cash flows a little bit. No, 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 no. no. I'm not doing that. You give me the proper price and everything, and you know we'll, we'll do something out there. No, because eventually, then if they're giving me that price, they're they're not going to be happy with that price, and the cash flow gets back good and everything. They're going to say we can't do that anymore, and maybe they'll just not supply because they feel bad about saying it, and I have to get another supplier. No way. Everybody's got to win more than they put in. So in our model, every touch point does that. And that, I think, is one of the most important things that we all have to take into it. And by the way, that's just a that's a human thing. It's not just specifically business or or whatever. Just make sure everybody wins more than they put in and, and you'll get sustainability. Yeah, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between the way you, you think about business and, and the way I hear Jason think about business mm-hmm. on on a regular basis. Uh, and I think it just has something to do with with people who who have been able to accomplish a certain level in their life and just realize when they look back on it, these are the things that really made it work and have brought me to where I am. And I need to be the example of that everywhere else that I go. And so I'm, I feel, I feel fortunate to be able to have these kinds of conversations because I can often catch myself thinking a little smaller than I should be. And these are the kinds of conversations that push you to think bigger about what it is you're doing even right now with your own operation mm-hmm. and how you can create more sustainability if it will <laughs> and transparency in the process and the yeah. kind of impact that can have across mm-hmm. the entire marketplace of whatever industry you're in mm-hmm. um, for sure I, I think yeah. I think it's a great a great lesson in leadership while focusing on what you've been doing I mean it's a long way from building bicycles and <laughs> And yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> and now, kids out there have an opportunity potentially to yeah. also have bicycles, right? That's right, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's that's for sure. Uh, yeah, we did it. We did a lot of uh, a lot of great things. And now, of course, we're launching the very first social impact franchise in the world, which you'll fear hear about all of Q1 next year. NFL guys involved, um, you know, some 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 big people galvanizing communities, and we're really going to we found we've literally cracked the code here that we can go into each community and through this model we can everybody can win more than they put in and we can solve some serious serious problems so yeah we're really excited about that yeah man i'm looking forward to that maybe we'll get you back on here uh to be able to talk about that yeah yeah anytime um with that said uh before i go on to uh, a couple of other things i want to check in with jason because i know he's loving this conversation No, I mean, see, the the difference between how, I don't know how to say that to where it's not offensive to somebody, um, it, it's the level of how people think, right? I mean, some some people, I truly believe we think on different planes, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you can always tell when you're talking to somebody that's on an elevated plane of thinking versus somebody that's very singular. This is something me and what me and uh, Philip were talking about earlier today was the singular approach, the me, me, me versus Mm. the, versus the multi-layer approach where you're creating three to four wins in that whole thing Mm -hmm. that create impact 
amongst so many that it mm. ripples out and the effect that it has is profound. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I wish we could get more people in that train of thought all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, people often, I hear people say, well, the leaders of this country, they're not the leaders of this country. They're appointed mm-hmm. officials. Let's get that straight. <laughs> so that's two different things. Right. So, but I wish we could get them to think more broad in those the people that have the ability to make these big ripple effects and changes mm. um, could get those folks to think not so singular and more broad. Right. We'd live in a, in a much better world. Oh, no question. I mean, you talk about broken systems. I mean, that might be the biggest of all <laughs> in every country, by the way, not yeah. just the United States, right. in every country. Uh, but anyway. We won't well, that's, go there. That's probably why they went into <laughs> politics instead of business, yeah. though, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, business people solve yeah. problems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I can politicians, think of, yes. seem to, politicians seem to make more problems than they fix. <laughs> How else are we supposed to stay in business? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. No oh question. man, no. I. It's funny. Uh, I love. I love this conversation and everything that it stands for. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I can't thank you enough, Stephen, for bringing that My energy. Pleasure. You know, I have mm-hmm. a feeling this happens everywhere you go. <laughs> um, with, with that said, uh, I want to I want to take a quick break to actually something I think you'll be able to appreciate as well if you don't already mm-hmm. know if you don't already know about it. Um, part of the reason this conversation is possible is because we have supporters who are listening to the show, part of the community that listen, and we gave a couple of people the opportunity to be featured as we have these conversations. And one of them is uh, sharing the credit is the name of this company. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Uh, and essentially, every time somebody swipes a debit or a credit card uh, and they own a business, that ends up going away as a fee. There's a fee involved for banking, right? Now, yeah. legally, we're allowed to actually change and decide what nonprofit that can go to. Uh, and this company sharing the credit with Will Black has actually found the way to make that happen for everyone. And any business that's interested in creating impact, just literally based on the spirit of this conversation, just by taking that one step, they can also be a part of that change. So I know that you can appreciate that. So all you have to do is go to sharingthecredit.com and uh, let them know that the war room sent you. Uh, now, with that said, getting back to the conversation, Stephen, which I feel like you, you'd appreciate what we just did there. Um, I want to I want to ask you, where can people go to learn more about what you're doing and, and the things that you're offering? Yeah, probably the best uh, the best place to go is rtggroupusa.com. Uh, that's our that's our main company. Um, and, you know, everything, a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff we do is on there. The the big one that's being launched now is called Purpose Driven Travel. Um, and that's PurposeDrivenTravel.net right now, although everything is getting redone and because we're launching in Q1. Um, that will be about, well, there'll be 35 franchises all owned by NFL athletes. Um, and there'll be about another 50, so close to 50 franchises franchises uh be launching in the united states uh in the first four or five months of next year uh in all different cities and everything so that'll be uh that'll be really cool um some some big names involved in that as well 
but those, you can have a look at that. But RTGGroupUSA.com has pretty much got all the different programs we have on it. And you can find out more about the model. People always ask me, well, how do you do this? And so they <laughs> want to know exactly how how that is. And it's the funny thing is, is we, we tell people, you really want a simple version? We sell food. Right. It's just that's what we do. We just find all these different ways to sell food. Uh, and by selling food, then we're able to do all the magic that we do from there. So, um, yeah, that's what happens. Again, I you know, it's funny. I was doing some work for a PR agency with one of their clients. Yes. Just last night I was writing up some articles on this on this uh, particular business. And this lady runs like a cleaning company. Uh, but she comes from like like a background of like a family uh, drowning in alcoholism and, you know, poverty. And then she herself created a cleaning company that then turned into an accelerator for other cleaning companies that are stepping into the Airbnbs and this Good and that. For her. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, people overthink business. So sure much. Do. I mean, I am a culprit of this, right. Cause then I hear like, what do we do? Simply put food cleaning i mean you, you name it at the at the Simplify most basic things. levels but For the sure. mission but the mission behind these things mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. is everything yeah yeah she's like helping people with like uh like uh any women that are struggling that are you know in battered abused relationships yeah. you know, all, all the things that she like now she's empowering through gainful employment so when i hear stories like like hers and yours and what you're doing i'm like man yeah. this is how business is done Absolutely. so so with that said if you could have invited anybody to this conversation here today, Stephen, who mm-hmm. would you have loved to have had here and mm-hmm. why them? So, you know, this is a good, I always get this asked this question, by the way. And, you know, there's people that I've admired and would have liked to just, you know, people like Mandela or, you know, kind of great people all over the world. But if, if it was today and you're asking me today, who would it be? It would be uh, Elon Musk. I would have him today because I think that if I could uh, sit down with him and he could listen to exactly what we're doing, that he would want to put a lot of money into what we're doing because we could solve this problem globally uh, with the right financing. And, uh, you know, so it's really just a matter of getting to somebody like that. And he's that type of guy where, you know, he sees something, he, he reacts very quickly to it, as we all know. Uh, and it's like, yeah, okay, this can get done. Okay, good. Well, like, what do you, what do you need? Yeah, what do you need? A hundred million dollars, whatever. There it is. Boom. And, uh, you know, we've, we put, we funded everything out of our own pocket with this. Uh, and you know, it's not like we, we don't have money. So we put millions in ourselves, but when you're talking about that type of money, you know, uh, my wife often says, man, you'd be dangerous if you partnered up with that guy. Wow. <laughs> Like what you could do to the world. So, um, yeah. So, and we've got, you know, I've got 20 different projects that I want to roll out kind of all under the same umbrella doing uh, identifying different communities that need help. Like, by the way, next chapter that's all around the veterans, uh, Jason, that we are Mm -hmm. going to roll out next year sometime, uh, really needed. So, we got a lot of different things that we can help different people with. And it's just really a matter of getting the right, you know, resources and, and uh, that's 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 who I would have on right now. I love that answer specifically because I remember on Twitter when Elon called out, you know, the 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 UN and was like, "If you could give me a plan on how you actually want to lead up this ambition of solving world hunger, I'll throw yeah. you the money." 
They never sent. Of course a, a not, plan. because the, the statement originally <laughs> from the UN was so asinine. I mean, you can't even believe if you know all the numbers and everything. And that guy who said that, that he if he had, you know, X amount of dollars, it's bizarre. Plus, if you knew really deep down what's going on, they don't even have, they don't have a model that can do it anyway. It doesn't matter. He could give them all of his money. It's still, I told you already, it's it's there. You don't, this isn't my opinion anymore. This is fact. We've got the data to prove this. Half a trillion dollars every year virtually. And we're not solving any problems. It's not about the money, guys. It's about the model in which you know we, we must build around. And that's basically why we're focused on on what we're doing. Yeah, man. No, I I'm gonna find a way to 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 somehow get those ears to hear what you're doing, man. There has to be a way because, yeah, it's, you know, uh, I actually have somebody in mind, uh, a, a colleague of mine, Cal Fussman, who spoke with Seth Godin about this on their podcast. And Seth Godin had told him, you know, we can afford to give everyone fruits and vegetables, like everyone. He said, because how many fruits and vegetables can you possibly eat as a human? Absolutely. We're not, you know, we're not talking about you know, hamburgers and cheeseburgers, you know, like quite literally fruits and veggies, fruits and veggies shouldn't be a problem for the population of the world. That's like a basic. So go Google, I think, uh, I, yeah, Google, uh, Philip, uh, go Google how much food we throw out every month. I don't even want, man. Yeah, you may not want to Google that because uh, it's, uh, we have enough, everyone talks about lack of food. There's there's no lack of food. It's ridiculous. It's one of the dumbest statements you'll ever hear. We have way more than enough food to feed everybody. If we stop throwing out the millions and millions of pounds that we do every month, we could do it. And one of our models, for example, I just told somebody this yesterday. They said, well, you know, where do you see yourself in the next five years? It's like, well, we probably won't be manufacturing the same food we are today. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, we're investing in repurposing food. That's one of the things we do. We want to use the same body just to be buying it, but it'll be food that can be repurposed and given. We're opening up four soup kitchens in every single city that we go into. And that will be all used for fresh stuff to make fresh soups and all that kind of stuff. So now you have thousands of people being able to go and get that. And so we have ideas to solve some of these other problems. It's not just simply making sure everybody has a meal, right? It's going to be more <laughs> than that. So, No, this is this is amazing, man. I've had an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's tradition yeah, it's my for, pleasure. for Jason to close this out. But, yeah, man, yeah. but it's, it's been it's been awesome. Jason. Thank you. Yeah, Stephen. Hey, great. I love the mission you're on. God, mm -hmm. keep keep pushing, keep pushing. Hopefully this reaches the ears of, <laughs> of Elon himself. That'd be cool. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he gets to, gets to hear it. Or sometimes it just takes somebody hears it and goes, man, let me talk to Jill that knows Bob that's uh, Elon's best friend, right? That's so, the way it happens, right? That's, that's <laughs> the way it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. So but uh, but yeah, thanks for taking the the time to be here and spend a little bit of time with us. We appreciate my pleasure, it. guys. My pleasure. Appreciate it very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day and have a great weekend. All right, right on. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and always remember, if you can dream it, 
and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.